and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University. Good morning. I'm here with Janet Eilber, Artistic Director of the Martha Graham Company, and Troy Schumacher, uh, choreographer of the new work commissioned by Peak Performances for the Martha Graham Company titled The Auditions, music composed by Augusta Reed Thomas. Mr. Schumacher, why now, why you, what for? What was the inspiration for the auditions? So I was uh, very lucky to be asked to do this uh, new commission uh, for the Martha Graham Company that's premiering here uh, at Montclair State. It's a very out-of-the-box idea, which when uh, both you and Janet came to me with this, I was really just intrigued with the whole idea. I've, I've spent most of my career working with my colleagues at New York City Ballet, um, but I've also dabbled in going outside ballet, doing projects for dance space project, Performa, for non-dancers, and so I was really just excited to work in a different form with a different company that I have so much respect for, and to also work with a great composer like Gusty. And we were, you know, tasked with creating a companion piece to Appalachian Spring, which is a seminal work for the Graham Company and also a piece that lives in a very different time and place than we are right now. And working together with a composer, which is one of my favorite things to do, uh, was a great task and trying to figure out this common place and this common ground between my work, Gusty's work, and this seminal work of modern dance and music from the 20th century uh, was a great starting place. Fantastic. The um, Janet, Janet Alber. I mean, um, I'll just preface my question and remarks by saying that I do not believe there's been a more successful um, legacy management um, of a great American artist in any field than the one that you have provided us uh, with the work of Martha Graham. Well, thank you, Jed. Thank you. Um, now, having said that, um, tell me a little bit about your aspirations for um, a work, um, a new work that um, is metaphorically more than fact, you know, figured or realistically married to Appalachian Spring. But you know Appalachian Spring from the inside out, having performed it. Yes. Now you're responsible for it. So talk a little bit about that amazing history and how it leads us to the moment of the 75th anniversary and the tribute that uh, Thomas and Schumacher are bringing to it and how it in invigorates mm -hmm. your company. 
Well, uh, let me start with the history. Yes, I'm lucky enough to have performed Appalachian Spring um, for many years with Martha Graham directing me and on occasion with Aaron Copeland conducting the orchestra. Mm. Uh, so uh, I had insight into it from the inside out. And then as director of the company, I've, I've gained uh, a whole new perspective, of course, sitting outside of it and understanding the dynamics of the, um, the characters, um, the characters within their time frame. Uh, Martha premiered the work in 1944, so we're at its 75th anniversary. Um, but also those characters in our time frame, because part of what makes a classic a classic is that it does travel through time and have things to say to today's audiences. Uh, the uh, juxtaposition of a commission and a classic is kind of, uh, in a nutshell, what we've been doing for the Graham Company for the, over a decade now. Um, Bringing the, putting the classics on stage beside work from today's choreographers. And uh, we find there's a conversation there that the uh, classic works bring a, a perspective, um, a historical context to the new work, and the new work brings uh, a context to the, the classics and fresh eyes. Um, so there's a, there's a real one plus one makes three there. And... Um, so we're very excited about this specific commission. Um, it, Appalachian Spring is such fertile territory, and I really believe that Troy and Gusty have um, dived into the elemental themes of Appalachian Spring and, and worked together to create something for today. Um, of course, there are other resonances, such as an American choreographer with an American composer. Um, I hope you'll ask Troy to talk about the different landscapes that are within this ballet. And, of course, Appalachian Spring is, is a great discussion of landscape and the frontier and, and what's going to happen next. Um, so I'm going to stop there because I could do well, about three hours on this well, subject. <laughs> and one day I hope you do. I think um, as a sort of personal commentary, I mean, one of the things that um, I, uh, has been the delight of this project is getting to know the Martha Graham Company. And um, one of the uh, transformations of the company in my mind and also for the, I hope for the audience, is that actually the presentation and performance of the so-called historic work of Martha Graham is a misnomer. Um, that um, the quality of the performers and the, uh, the quality of the artistic curation uh, makes the work um, not historic, but of our time. Well, we, you know, we don't play Mozart on the original instruments. Uh, we don't try to dance like people danced in the 1930s or 1940s. And this instruction came from Martha Graham. She lived to be 96, and in the course of her long career, dancers' bodies changed and their uh, energy changed and audience expectations changed. Um, and so she incorporated, she was you know, a devotee of change, and she would incorporate this into her works. Um, and uh, so I take instru instruction from her. Well, you do, it, you do it extremely well. I'd like to sort of land on the word change for a minute. 
um, and see what you discovered, Troy, in working with uh, the Graham dancers in the imagining of the auditions. I mean, what part of thematically one of the things that we're working with throughout the year is a very loose term of language and vocabulary. And um, one aspect of commissioning this work, because peak performances in Montclair State University are the did commission the work, um, is how um, a choreographer and a performer of your extraordinary abilities confronts the work of a dance troupe that is embedded itself in the vocabulary of, we'll, we'll go back to the iconic terminology of, of a Martha Graham, and the, gen, the public in general, if they're, when they do pay attention, and we hope they will be, um, are, have a certain idea of what those, that movement vocabulary is. But how did you wrestle with that? How did you change your, how were you changed in this process, and what did you discover in making the auditions? When I was first tasked with this commission, I wanted to become more familiar with the company as it is today. I, the way I work choreographically is I do not come into the studio with a lot of premeditated steps. I spend most of my time investigating the music, learning the dancers, and coming up with a larger structure, but actually which arm goes up, where the legs are going, how they're moving around in the space, I like to do with the dancers in the moment. And the better you know the dancers, the more easy that transition is. Every time you start working with a new group, there's a little bit of onboarding time where you learn them, they learn you, and you try to find this common ground. What I was just so thrilled about watching the Martha Graham Company at the Joyce last uh, March. Was it March? April. April. Uh, and I went as really as much as I could and I watched rehearsals was just seeing them in the room and being so struck by their commitment and their buy-in to the company, to the Graham legacy, to the new works that they're performing, which I think in a very brilliant way all reference that Graham legacy, which I think is so important, as you mentioned, that Jane is doing such a great job in steering this legacy forward, that when I came into this studio, I felt like I knew them on the level as a spectator. And I had, you know, come up with concepts for each of them. But then also, once you get into the studio, you learn different elements. What was I think going into this, one of the greatest uh, challenges was to not go into a ballet vocabulary and work with them and also watch classes and try to get a sense of some of the elements of the Graham aesthetic that I felt shared a common ground with what I do. And one of the things that was very surprising to me was how athletic so many of the Graham works are, like Chronicle and 
you know, one thing that I think a lot of great works do is that they challenge the dancers, whether that's artistically, physically, you know, musically, emotionally. And I think Graham was a strong proponent of that. And I think that that's a, a, definitely a common ground between our work. Going into the studio and working with them, we're working with this incredibly complex piece of music that doesn't sound terribly complex, but when you dive into it, the way Gussie writes is very intricate. So we spent a lot of time creating this very closely um, mapped vision of her score. And I the dancers were so fast with it. I mean, we threw really complex counting with them, at them, and we just moved very quickly, which was amazing to me. And, you know, I think I learned throughout this whole process of how when you can trust in your dancers, you are able to not rely upon your language that you come into the room with. And we can talk and we can discuss. And when it becomes less about this series of steps and vocabulary that you're so used to, you're able to kind of throw a lot out the out of the window and just experiment. And I think that the Graham Company provides a really safe space to do that. Well, one of the one aspect of this, which was uh, very exciting, was the opportunity to uh, commission both the music and the choreography. Um, and there's a from my perspective, there's a little. There is a paradigm. I mean, in the sense that um, there were there there are two composers and two choreographers collaborating. And I wonder, Janet, if you have any insights that you can provide um, with regard to uh, Aaron Copeland's working with Martha Graham on Appalachian Spring. I mean, in this case. Um, you know, we have a, a living composer who, in in complete receptive dialogue with Troy, with the choreographer, and vice versa. Um, it's not a situation in which a choreographer um, is creating a work and sort of goes, "Well, what am I going to? Where am I getting the music for this?" I mean, this is we're, we're building from the ground up and. Uh, Shed some light on the collaboration between Aaron Copeland and uh, Martha Graham. Yes, uh, as they did. They built from the ground up. Uh, Martha was unusual in her relationship to music because she was not a musical visualist. In other words, she didn't choose a piece of music and then enhance and illuminate it. Uh, Like Brilliant examples of that are Balanchine, Mark Morris, Um, She preferred to have her idea um, secured and and sometimes choreographed, mapped out certainly, before she commissioned a composer. Um, And she worked with commissioned music for over four decades. Um, uh, So the Copeland Commission was one of the earliest. It came through the Library of Congress and Luckily for us, Copeland was in California doing some scores for Hollywood, and Martha was in New York. So there's a paper trail of their collaboration. And the poetry and the consideration of 
of what they were trying to pour into this work and those words is is really remarkable. Um, uh, they were working in 1942-43, some of the darkest days of World War mm. II. They um, considered this this to be, they wanted this to be a contribution to the war effort, a contribution mm. to the mood of the country. They wanted to remind people of the American spirit, of the frontier mentality, the risk-taking mentality, the hope for the future, and the American dream. And they considered so much of the American experience. At one point, there was a stage, on a small stage on stage, and a reenactment of Uncle Tom's Cabin. They considered mm. Harper's Ferry. Um, abolitionists, every different type of religion that was in America at the time, uh, Pocahontas. Uh, it it really uh, is kind of an amazing overview when you read their exchange. And um, the original Martha sent Copeland scripts, actual scenarios. There were passages from the Bible. There was going to be spoken word in Appalachian Spring. And I believe you can hear the passages where Copeland um, uh, introduces the spoken word, which was eventually cut out of the of the score itself. So um, mm, yeah, it's beautiful. a remarkable, remarkable collaboration. And I believe it. At one point, it had townspeople in it and children and uh, a Native American, an Indian woman, as Martha called her, um, but. All of that, I think, finally was distilled into what we have now, not cut away. Well, I mean, following up on the, the, the narrative that you've just provided for Appalachian Spring, Troy, maybe you could continue that conversation and talk a little bit about the narrative that you and Gusti have imagined and created for the auditions. Who are these people that are coming to the audition? Why are they there? Yeah. Where are they going? What do they want to do with themselves? What are their aspirations? Right. I, so thinking about this starting point of Appalachian Spring and Frontier, I think one of the most resonant moments for me and the mo many times that I've watched videos, new and old, there's a moment when the husband, the groom, is that the official? Husband man. Husband man is... We'll have to correct that for the... We'll have to correct that. Yeah. Husband man. And husband we, person. Husband person, yes. <laughs> and so there's a fence downstage left, and there are several moments where this character stands out and looks out over this fence into the distance, and you think about that concept of humanity and how we keep reaching these frontiers and settling and trying to figure out kind of what's next. And we're at a point in 2019 where there aren't really that many frontiers left in our planet. There's Antarctica, but that's not a really, I mean. It's melting. Yeah, so. Maybe that'll be the next frontier, but this idea that there are people always kind of like looking for that next level. And so Gussie and I, we've imagined what maybe that next level is. And it could be a mystical place. It could have a somewhat of a science fiction vibe. But the idea is that these group of people have found out about this opportunity 
to go to this next place, to this next landscape, this frontier. And they show up at this call to be chosen to go to this place. And it turns out they have to dance. No choreography has been presented to them. They don't know why they have to dance. They don't know how they get there, but they're just in this room and the sign says, please show us your moves. And then they interact. They form a language amongst themselves by being these disparate six characters and how they find kind of this common ground. They're not, they don't know who's watching them. They don't know that this is a competition and they don't know that it's it's not even the best dancer who gets chosen. It's somewhat arbitrary. So you get to see these people kind of uh, duking it out a little bit on the dance floor, but in a very um, unique way, I would say. Wow. So it's actually a message that you're bringing to the audience about the aspirations of a being in our culture today and what are the possibilities given the issues that we're confronting today, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's not, you're, you're actually taking the platform that the Copeland and um, Graham provided and projecting it into our future. Right. I mean, the Appalachian Spring, it shows, you know, a fairly homogenous group of characters, but people who have different emotions, different beliefs, different ways of interacting, different ways of connecting with each other. And I think sometimes, as groups of people, we're in these situations where we don't really know what to do, right? This is people have this opportunity to achieve something, but they don't really know how it's done, what does it. And, you know, I think in sometimes just like life, the reasoning isn't all, doesn't always make sense, right? It's not mm-hmm. that the best dancers, not like there are any best dancers at Martha Graham, they're all so good, but <laughs> um, it's not that the best dancers get chosen. It's people that have, I think, shown something in themselves. Well, un- so. unfortunately, we're living in an era in which we do know without any question that the very best do not become the leaders. <laughs> <laughs> we got that. We know, we know that. Well, I think the, the um, Appalachian Spring, there's an uncer- uncertainty, uncertainty to how one uh, reaches into the future that's in Troy's new work, and it's also in Appalachian Spring. There are are moments of uncertainty for these characters. The, there's a section for the bride called Fear in the Night. Um, there's a suggestion that the husband may be sent away to war. Um, you know, so I, I think that elemental conversation, American conversation about the future is inherent mm-hmm. to both works. The um one of the really exciting aspects also of, of bringing that so-called message to the public is to be doing it um, with music, but doing it also uh, through live music. I mean, the Appalachian Spring uh, score is being performed 
as it was originally conceived for chamber orchestra. Um, the auditions is being performed as it was completely imagined by uh, Gusti. Um, the performers, uh, the musicians, are of the highest quality. Um, international uh, Contemporary Ensemble is, in my estimation, uh, one, or t one or two of the finest ensembles of contemporary music in our country. Um, so that the whole presentation um, is a joyful experience throughout. Um, I mean, there, and I'll say this with some reservations, um, but um, a person coming to this performance could close their eyes. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I, because I think the other collaborator we have to mention, they'll be on stage here in Montclair, is the set for Appalachian Spring created by the Japanese-American sculptor. Oh, that's Isamu very true. That's Noguchi. very true. Um, and so the, the full production will be here at Montclair with ICE uh, providing the music, and then, of course, the world premiere by Troy Schumacher, Augusta Reed Thomas, Ice premiering the score, and the Graham Company premiering the, the movie. So everybody has to have their eyes open. Yes. Totally. Totally. And ears. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's really nice to be able to have this, the opportunity to come and do something at a high level, to be you know, have excellent dancers, an excellent musical ensemble, you know, excellent collaborators, but also to get to spend time really working on something and having strong collaborators to go back and forth. And Gusty and I, we spent about, you know, a year developing this music and figuring out exactly the story that we wanted to tell if we wanted to tell a story. And then to be able to come here at Montclair and be in the theater and not be very rushed in putting this together is an enormous, um, you know, great thing to have. Like, it, it, most of the time when you're doing these new ballets anywhere, you, you spend just a few hours trying right. to get them on a stage and here. Well, give, given your experience, I take that as a tremendous compliment yeah. uh, to both uh, my program and the university, given um, that I know your, your resources include the New York City Ballet. <laughs> right, yeah. So, and every process is extremely different. I think that, you know, what both of you have enabled Gussie and I to try to achieve is we're... This work, I think, is very different. It, it seems very unique, and the way that we're combining music and dance is a, is a really kind of cohesive way. And when you're taking chances like that, it's great not to feel very rushed because you can investigate. We can work together. You I know, know she's the other collaborators that you're working with here, the lighting designer, Yi Chung Chen, and the costume designer, Karen Young, are also uh, just so delighted to have this extra time to really experiment and um, consider the choices. It's really well, a, a luxury. I mean, I, I think that that's um, uh, I mean, a, a slight digression in terms of our conversation, but um, uh, the the word I always take objection to the idea that we're providing extra time. 
um, because I think the the extra is being applied because um, time has been um, constricted, um, time has been um, minimized, um, and the creation of work. Um, I'm I don't well we don't I don't provide extra time. We provide the time for the artists to create the work that they imagine and to realize it. It's that simple. It's not, you know, and I think we've come to a place, an unfortunate place, certainly in, um, in our country and unfortunately in the so-called cultural capital of the nation where um, the creation of work is constricted, it's, it's uh, reduced, and that um, artists and artistic directors um, find themselves being Oh, so grateful for the extra time. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, what? <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful point of view, Jed. And as you can tell, Troy and I uh, don't run into it too often. Yeah, I, I mean, the way that I think collaborations work is that, I mean, you're talking about the Mar Martha Graham Copeland. It's like the where that piece started and where it ended up. I mean, even after Copeland delivered the score to her, she retitled it, she figured it out, because each time you're collaborating, you, you can't just say, okay, we're going to make this. And then maybe, you know, version B of what you get no longer is acceptable for version A. And so there's all of these stages that go. So, you know, this whole thing started with Gusty sending me little sketches. I'd send her videos of myself dancing, and then she would write a little bit of music, and then we'd talk about it. She would say, oh, I don't really like that, but I would say, maybe this is great, and then, or the opposite would happen, and we just slowly built this piece, and we came across these two ideas and these two landscapes, and we started talking about, like, well, what, how do how do these two ideas intersect with one another? And then we didn't answer that question, but she finished her first draft of the score. And then I spent three months trying to answer that question. <laughs> and then we talked, I presented her my initial idea for this, and then I started choreographing it. And then as at each one of these stages, something very fun fundamental changes in the process. And then when you go from a dance studio to a stage, that's also a very drastic change that can either make or break a new work. So, you know, we have some elements to this piece. We're trying to really show two very, very different places, even though the audience stays seated in the same place. And there's some very simple technical elements that need to just be specifically right. And then Gusty is going to come actually later today and start seeing this on the stage for the first time. So then she, I'm sure it's going to go to another place. So Well, there's an alchemy that can happen in um, the Kasser Theater. Um, that is the relationship between the uh, performance that, that's being uh, created and the creators uh, discovering what it is that they've actually done. Um, and uh, my intent is that because it is about chemistry and chemistry it's the making of something 
um, that um, as you progress through this week of discovery and research, that you see the work that you want, but that it continues to change. Um, that it's, you know, this is, uh, you're on, I don't expect this piece to be set by Friday this week. Um, and what I'm actually hoping, and which is a little more terrifying in some ways, is, is that you'll go, oh my goodness, aha, <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> That's some, ooh, why didn't I think of that before? Right. Or, Don't worry about not thinking about it before. You've thought about it and then make it happen in the best possible way. The only thing that I ask is is that in November, we actually have a performance. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll have a problem. We have built in, following this week here at the CASR, we have built in time for some time for the ideas to marinate and uh, a few more rehearsals if Troy and, and Gusty have some changes that they want to make. It's available. Which brings us to this moment of Troy Schumacher going to rehearsal. Right. It's that time. It's that time. So and thank then, you very much. Yeah. Thank you. You both are wonderful. We love having you here. We're going to have fun. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us.